You ready? Let her rip. Hi, it's Parker from Parker Thompson Racing. You're listening to It's a Show podcast, proudly presented by Open Highway. Go- oh, my gosh. Okay, one, two, three. Proudly presented by OpenHighway.com. If you want to be a pro broadcaster, it's always three, two, one. Okay, instead of one, two, three. Yeah, that's how, <laughs> how we sort out the rookies. Hi, it's Parker Thompson from Drive to Stay Alive. You're listening to It's a Show podcast, proudly presented by my friends at OpenHighway.com. It's a Show is recorded in front of a live studio audience. <laughs> It's a show. Good evening. My name is Greg Shannon. And generally at this time, I'm joined by several co-hosts. But since Sparky's Eskimo has just won the Grey Cup, I don't expect to see him anytime soon. We're cheering, fight, fight, fight on Eskimos. We're marching right, right, right on Eskimos. The green and gold is gold and when we're done. And as for Peeker, I'm guessing he's probably putting kids to bed because that's generally what he's doing around this time. I can tell you I'm not flying solo this week. I have a multitude of special guest stars. I'll get to that in a second. But first of all, let me tell you that we are broadcasting in front of a live studio audience. Pretty much at the beautiful Jackpot Casino in gorgeous downtown Red Deer. This luxurious casino features a plethora of new games, including Batman slot machines now at the Jackpot. So fun, so authentic. What a tribute to Adam West and Burt Ward. And the Jackpot is also home to the Walking Dead slot game. Trademark. Is everything going well here? Because I don't like dissension. <laughs> Win the fight for survival by increasing your gaming revenues with the Walking Dead slot game. Trademark. It's a dynamic feature-packed product, just like everything else at the jackpot. They are also home to the Seek the Summit sled giveaway. Giving away a skidoo, like a rock star skidoo. One that I would never drive because it goes too fast. But if you're not scared of your own shadow like I am, this would be a lot of fun for you. So come in and enter. They have new extended table game hours at the Jackpot Casino, it should be noted. 1 p.m. to 3 a.m. Fridays, Saturday 1 till 3, and Sunday 1 till midnight. And stop me if I already mentioned the Flintstones game, but it's new at the Jackpot. Flintstone slot machines. Take a trip to the town of Bedrock and come play this slot right out of history. From a show I used to watch in the lunchroom at Prince Philip School every day at noon with our crabby lunchroom supervisor, which is another story for another time. And now for those special guest stars I mentioned earlier. We have an old friend of mine, Parker Thompson, who's a young guy, joining us from Parker Thompson Racing and the Drive to Stay Alive program that he founded. We're going to talk to Parker in a second. Plus, my new friend, Greg Gazin, a.k.a. Greg the Gadget Guy. At that point, he had just been thrown out of Apple. He was very, very powerful in his presentation, and I remember him saying, use your mind but follow your heart. And that's something that just stuck with me forever. We begin our proceedings with a Parker Thompson expose. Hey, I'm Rookie Bobby. Whenever I'm in Beijing, I enjoy Dr. Han's prune candy. (laughs) 
slow down. They must be going 8,000 miles an hour. Right on time. All right, are we on a secure line? Yes, cell phone. You're in the bathroom? No. Ladies and gentlemen, our special guest is Parker Thompson from Parker Thompson Racing fame, the first ever North American to make it to the podium in the Junior Rotax category at the Rotax Max Challenge Grand Finals in Porto Mayo, Portugal, of all places. He was awarded third ranking in the world. That was just the beginning. At 14, he went to live in Italy, leaving friends and family cold turkey behind. Sorry, Mom, about your luck. And now, this past season, Parker, you were with JDC Motorsports to compete in the USF 2000 championship which is the first step to the mazda road to indy ladder to indy car what the hell does that mean anyway <laughs> so that basically means uh, usf 2000 they say it's the first step but a lot of drivers come out of other formula car divisions and into uh, what you would call usf 2000 so it's a uh, amateur division but at the same time uh, a lot of drivers come to it because it's a part of the professional realm of racing because we race with any car at every event so usf 2000 is the first step so if i were to win usf 2000 I get a free scholarship in order to move up into Pro Mazda, which is the next step. Then if you were to win Pro Mazda, you get another scholarship to move up in Indy Lights. And if you win Indy Lights, you get another scholarship to win up uh, uh, an Indy car ride. So it's pretty amazing how they, uh, they move you forward if you keep winning. So you just got to keep winning. So what's the biggest difference between the Indy Light and the Indy? The biggest difference between the Indy Lights and the Indy car uh, would be horsepower. So okay. the aerodynamics is actually quite similar. Uh, but the horsepower is definitely a, a different range. And, and the complexity of the engineering behind the cars, the Indy car is just, uh, it's on another level of, of complexity for not only a suspension, but also for, uh, for all the engineering that goes into the motor. Development is a lot, more, a lot more further than ours is just because they have manufacturers involved. So with the, uh, with the Mazda Road to Indy, so with the USF 2000, Pro Mazda, and Indy Lights, we all run Mazda engines. So there's only one manufacturer that you can actually run. Where in IndyCar, they're Honda and Chevrolet. So there's two manufacturers, two different aerodynamic packages. So it definitely gets a lot more complex in that, uh, in that realm. Now, when you're not on the circuit, which would be now, you've got some downtime. Yes. Tell us what you do in your spare time. Uh, in my spare time, I usually find something else to do that doesn't give me spare time. So I've founded Drive to Stay Alive, which is a campaign right now uh, in order to stop distracted driving here in Canada. What was the catalyst, Parker, for you to found Drive to Stay Alive? How did it all come to be? Well, that's a great question because it all started with a former principal of mine. So my principal was going to retire. And I said, no, you can't do that. You have to come work with me, and we have to, uh, to better the community of Alberta because Alberta's done a ton for me in my racing career. They've pretty much gotten me uh, to this point. And I've had a family friend uh, get involved with a distracted driving accident. There was a big scare, and that's what kind of sparked it. And then on top of that, uh, I have firsthand experience of knowing what five seconds or, or a split second can do behind the wheel of inattentiveness. So I thought I would take that upon myself uh, in order to campaign against distracted driving here. And it started out in Alberta, and it's uh, grown to Canada. It was tough in the beginning. I was 16 years old at the time, so I had to break the barrier that um, I'm not just a 16-year-old kid giving a presentation, that my presentation actually had um, some facts behind it, and that it was a good presentation. It wasn't just a random 16-year-old giving it. So once we kind of got a few events under our belt, sponsors did come knocking on my door, and it, it, it's been quite successful so far. It's actually amazing what it's grown to now. I mean, it's a, a full-fledged, action-packed hour of, uh, of fun. I mean, obviously... We have to campaign against distract driving. It's kind of a dark topic. But the way we really get with the kids is, obviously, uh, my racing background really helps because we can kind of promote that in the beginning, get the kids to like me. And then on top of that, we, we like to have a fun presentation. I mean, as a, a high school student myself, I had sat through some really boring presentations that came in uh, that didn't really leave anything with me, where uh, 
when I started this, I wanted to make sure that we gave a, a presentation that was going to leave a mark. And I think that's exactly what we're doing. We got a, a big uh, t-shirt cannon now. We've got a bunch of fun stuff that we do with the kids. We give away uh, about a thousand dollar watch at every event that we go to. So we definitely do a lot to give back and get the kids interested in uh, stop distracted driving. It's going to leave a skid mark is what I was going to say, but you just kept talking there. So that would be funny. <laughs> What I like about you, and we've known each other for a while now, is that you are never satisfied with where you are. You want to see this program go bigger and better and 60 schools across Western Canada now. You've had more interested parties join on board, including our pal Kelsey at openhighway.com. Yes. So tell us a little bit about your experience with openhighway.com and how has it helped you bring this distracted driving message to the students? Well, they've really developed a game changer in my opinion because what they've done is they've got this uh, open highway interactive display. Now it sounds confusing and complicated, but it's one of the most simple and effective ways to get our social media boosted and it's helped immensely with the campaign. So the first event we launched the interactive display, what it is is this little Android box that's got an antenna. It looks futuristic. You plug it into a projector, and it searches the web, the World Wide Web. It searches all your social media for hashtags. So we plugged in our hashtag, Drive to Stay Alive. That's kind of what we run. And we plug that in. We plug it into a separate projector. So we've got usually two screens at our events, one for uh, campaigning against distracted driving and one just for social media. And what this little machine does is it finds all the tweets that the kids put out, the appropriate tweets. It actually has a filter on it. That's how developed it is. And we find all the tweets and all the Instagrams that are put out with hashtag, Drive to Stay Alive. And it goes up to the front. Now this is perfect because we do a lot of events that are 1,000, 1,500 kids, right in that range, 1,000 to 1,500, and it's really difficult to engage all 1,500 kids for an hour. But what this screen does, it allows the kids at the back that can't quite interact with me properly, you know, they can't ask questions, they can't get close with me, it allows them to post up questions, to post up uh, ways that can stop distracted driving, or just post up uh, different stories about distracted driving to the board in my presentation, and then I can enlighten on it. So it's just an unbelievable system, and it's, it's pretty cool. The first time uh, we launched it, we trended number one in Canada for about five minutes. We had a ton of tweets come in, like 200, 300 tweets in the course of, like I said, five, 10 minutes it was on. It was pretty unbelievable. I was blown away. And uh, since then, the results have been the same. It's just been fantastic and the kids eat it up and what's kelsey like to work with pretty cranky eh oh he's just terrible mm-hmm. like i i can't talk enough bad yeah. about him no he's a fantastic guy you know what he really realizes the true value for giving back to the community and i think that's pretty cool you don't find too many people and and even the companies that i'm aligned with now i i can't thank them enough and and you know what alberta can't thank them enough because what it's doing uh, for the province helping out with distracted driving is pretty unbelievable and, and we know we're making a difference we know we're saving lives and that's what's cool every school we've done this year has asked us to come back the following year that's amazing pretty cool that's it amazing is. man you just got to connect with the kids and it's and it's fun i call them kids i'm a kid too so i don't mean yeah. any disrespect in that regard but it's cool to connect uh, with kids because i didn't really get that chance i left high school at grade nine so i didn't really get to high school i got uh, right to the end of junior high so as a dropout are you finding life difficult <laughs> i didn't drop out but anyways <laughs> i didn't get that high school experience and it's kind of fun to to gain that through drive to stay alive i get to go to like i said 60 high schools you get to see a lot of different atmospheres in a lot of different high schools i mean today we were actually at uh, new sarepta community high school nice now to be honest i didn't know where new sarepta was before i went to new sarepta it's fun to say and fun to be there i've been there okay Perfect. Well, it is a fun little town. You know what? Great group of kids we had today. It was a small group today, only about 100 kids. So, I mean, we go to the inner city schools um, where you've got, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 kids. And then you go to, to these little 
whole rural schools. And it's just cool to see all the different atmospheres. You really get a feel for teens across Alberta and across Canada. What's the number one thing that you say in your presentations, Parker? What What's the number one tip to keep them off their phones when they're in a vehicle? That's a great question as well, Greg. And, and basically, my uh, really, my punchline is the difference between the safety of a race car and the safety of a streetcar. Now, I don't mean to knock on manufacturers because there is safe streetcars out there, but race car teams have spent millions and millions of dollars developing not only the most, the most fast race cars that they can build, but also the most durable for crashes. I mean, we, IndyCar drivers crash at 240 miles per hour, and they get up and, and act like nothing happened. Now, in a car, pretty much anything over 50 kilometers an hour is, is going to be close to fatal. And it's amazing the difference between safety. So that's what you really have to prove to them. So we go over a number of different videos. Uh, one where they see an Indy car crash at 240 kilometers an hour, and then they see a top-rated safety pick crash at 50 kilometers an hour. And the difference between the damage of the cars is unbelievable. And it shows exactly what the test dummy does in the cockpit. A lot of people think, oh, you're going to hit the airbag, and that's nice and comfy. Well, number one, that airbag is a concrete wall when you hit it at 50 kilometers an hour. And number two, a lot of cases, you don't even hit the airbag. You slide right in between the two airbags and actually hit the dash. Oh, nice. Yes, very nice. So we really... We drive home that point of, of it's bad to distract a drive, but we show them what happens when you distract a drive, the result of distracted driving, you know? You know what we're going to start doing, maybe the government's going to mandate this, is put horrible packaging on your cell phone like they do on cigarette packs. And then it's just like hideous to look at, so you won't even want to touch it. <laughs> That's just an idea I'm playing with. It's not that formulated yet, but I'm working towards something. Perfect. Well, let me know that, when you get something. Yeah, solid. when I get something concrete, you'll be the first call I make. Now, let's talk about uh, you starting your own podcast or however that's going because I was on your Facebook and I saw you doing some kind of indie car situation podcast. I thought we had something, Parker. I thought we had a deal. Oh, now, now, Greg. We know now, we have a deal. Now, Okay, no, seriously. You are on some type of indie car talking about driving and, and... Well, my ambition is to get racing more well-known to the general public. Okay. I actually almost kind of got the idea off of what Chris Hadfield has been doing with, with being an astronaut. Yeah. And he's really made being an astronaut attainable or, or understandable for the general public. You're not going to start um, singing, are you? Ground control to Major Tom. Can you hear me? No, unfortunately not. <laughs> 99 so. Luff Balloons? Come on, knock it out of the park. That'd be awesome. So what he's done is obviously made uh, being an astronaut very attainable to the general public. And I yeah. think uh, doing the same thing with a race car or a race car driver would be interesting. Secrets of Racing Exposed is basically exactly. what you're trying to do. That's awesome. Is that allowed yeah. or are you going to get hammered on by somebody? No, you know what? I'll do it in a correct way where I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, throwing any manufacturers under the bus, but I'll give everybody an idea of, of why things happen the way they do. And I mean, racing is one big political game that you have to play uh, properly in order to come out on top. Tell me about the stereo in your race car. You got a pretty good Blaupunkt stereo in there or what's going on? Volkswagen, das Auto. No. Cranking some ABBA not. in there or no? No ABBA? No. No. So you, there's no sound at all except for the sound of speed going by you. Yeah, I was going to say the sound of uh, deafening revs. Is it smell in there, man? Like with all the burning rubber, does it stink when you're driving? Yes and no. I think you probably get used to it. Yeah. And that's where I'm at. Yeah. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Are you an Android or an iPhone guy? I'm an iPhone guy. 
Okay, me too. I don't know much about the androids except for when you break them, they're cheaper. That's all I know. (laughs) I met this guy. His name's Greg the Gadget Guy. He's from Edmonton. His whole passion, your passion's racing and saving lives. His passion has always been technology. And in fact, he met Steve Jobs on more than one occasion. Wow. And we're going to hear a little interview with Greg the Gadget Guy right now on It's a Show. Take a listen. In conversation with Greg Gazin, the gadget guy at a business innovation conference in Rocky Mountain House, Alberta, Canada. Now, Greg, tell me about the origins of you becoming the gadget guy. How did it all start? Well, the real origins probably happened when I was fairly young. Somehow I ended up in my neighborhood. I was at a neighbor's house, and he was telling me how his television didn't work because he couldn't get any sound out of it. And without even thinking, I asked him if he had a screwdriver. I took apart the back and noticed that a wire had actually fallen off. So after that, I attached the wire back on and it all worked. And, and uh, he said, well, how much do I owe you? And I said, no, 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 it's okay. It's fine. They're not a really problem. And he says, well, maybe you'd, maybe you'd like this. He says, well, my son's gone off to college. He doesn't need it anymore. It was the original Pong machine. Wow. That's when I was younger. The next step was fast forward to 19... I won't even say the year. (laughs) But I ended up going to an entrepreneur conference where I met Steve Jobs for the first time. And if you go on my Twitter page, it's my my picture. There's a picture of him and I. He's actually wearing a tie. So what's your Twitter, first of all? At Gadget Greg. Okay. Gadget Greg. But how the moniker came around is I'm a freelance tech columnist and I like to play with gadgets. And then I had a column called The Byte Track. And that was because that was the name of the business that I had. The Byte was B-Y-T-E. The track was because we lived across from train tracks when I was growing up. But one day my editor said, Greg, you're such a gadget guy. And it stuck and I started using it. And the irony is that it's memorable. Because you give presentations, sometimes people remember some of the silly things you say or the fact that I was afraid to speak in public and I walked away from lucrative business deals in the past. But when you tell them you're the gadget guy, the geek, gadget geak, they'll go, oh, that'll be memorable. And say, hey, gadget guy. So it kind of sticks. Now, there's a downside to it because I also speak and write on entrepreneurship and presentation skills and public speaking. And so sometimes people will expect your presentations to be all technical. You're typecast. Yeah, sometimes. But you know what? It's okay. I actually... I actually kind of enjoy it, and the funny part one day was one guy recognized me from, I was on breakfast television, and I think he must have been 12 or 13, and he comes up, and we're at Second Cup in Edmonton, he says, you're so cool, you're cooler than my dad, and I said, oh, I, I don't think I'm cooler than your dad, but, you know, it sticks, it's, it's okay, and it's, it's easy to remember. Let's go back to meeting Steve Jobs now. You said the first time. How many times did you meet Steve Jobs? I actually met him twice. I was very fortunate about six months before he passed away is I went to the rollout of one of the iPads in California. And what had happened was that by that time he was he was fairly weak. After the events, the media get an opportunity to play with some of the devices. And he had an entourage around him. And I went up to him and I said, Steve, Steve. And he was busy and they were pushing people away. And I said, Steve, I just wanted to say thank you. And he stops, and he turns around, and he looks at me. I said, 25 years ago, I met you at a conference, and you had changed my life. You had inspired me to go into my own business. I started a computer shop, and I was inspired by his writing. He said to me, which conference? And I totally blanked. Oh, God. It was the Association of the Collegiate Entrepreneurs and YEO, Young Entrepreneurs Organization, and I totally forgot about it. But then I quickly remembered, and as he was walking away, he mouthed, I'm glad. And I thought, wow, that just it, just it just brought it all 
Did he have a certain charisma and an aura around him that you felt when you first met him or even the second time? Well, it was a wow thing because he inspired me to start my own business, to become an entrepreneur. And I think it was, yeah, it was his charisma. It was this wow. And I still remember at that point, he had just been thrown out of Apple. And so he was, I don't think he had gone into next yet. So I think he might've been in transition. He was being honored because he was the top entrepreneur for that year. And he skewed everybody by making more than all the others combined. But I think he was very, very powerful in his presentation. And I remember him saying, use your mind, but follow your heart. And that's something that just stuck with me forever. Because sometimes you can get tied up in the details, tied up in the technology, but you have to look at your gut. And that was actually made, that's what actually made me decide. I was in banking. I had gone back to school, so I was working and going to school, developing banking systems as a programmer analyst, technical analyst. And I just said, you know what? I want to start my own business and started a shop and then eventually became Apple authorized and then I did eventually sell it. So it's something that's very memorable and in fact if you're there's a book called The Presentation Secrets of Steve Jobs by Carmine Gallo. Okay. I highly recommend you read it because it's inspiring for people who want to learn how to speak. You get to see how he breaks up everything and to this day his memory lives on forever even though it's probably been I think he passed away. I think it was in 2011. It's been 4 years since he passed away. Have you seen the movie? Not yet. I'm certainly looking forward to it. Yeah. I, I heard I heard also that it's not necessarily all based on true fact, but I think it's more of a portrayal. Right. But I believe it's Michael Fassbender who's the, the main yep. character. He's a phenomenal actor, so I'm certainly looking forward to it. Well, it was a pleasure meeting you, and I really enjoyed your comments on the panel. Maybe before we go, could you just give us a recap of some of those new innovations that are coming out that you got your eye on? Well, one of the things I was talking about was some of the technology that we use on a regular basis will be changing the way we sort of use it. Like everybody has a GPS in their car or in their phone. You have video on your phone, on the iPhone, like you're recording this on. But we're going to start seeing a transformation where it's going to be used together. There's an app called Record360. And what it does is a free version and there's a paid version. So let's say you rent a car, right? So you go and you go, well, there's a little scratch. I'm going to mark that down. Oh, you know, I didn't do that because I don't want to get dinged for something I didn't do. So and you what do it, the traditional walkthrough with a rental agency, but sometimes they're young kids and whatever, and you don't know what they're marking on the sheet. The paper can get lost. Yeah. Or I remember renting a car. Where was it? Was it in Vancouver? They had a snowstorm. So the car still had a bunch of snow and a bunch of sleet on it. So this way, it's recorded. It's geotagged. So you know exactly when it happened, where it happened. It goes out to the cloud. But if you think about it, same thing happens with someone who moves into a place and then three years later, they move out. So you keep track of saying, well, this is what the place looked like. And, or even for insurance purposes, you can say, well, how do you know that was yours? Well, the picture was taken in my home, right? There's a latitude, longitude on this day, on this time. Fantastic. So that's one thing. The other thing was we were talking about the Google Glass. Now, sometimes when you see people wearing them, they're kind of silly. Or you might think of some, something out of Mission Impossible. But yet there's a company in San Diego I think it's Sullivan Power Systems. I can't remember the exact name of the company. What they've done is they've created a system where they equip their technicians to go on the roofs with the solar panels so that they can have the two-way communication. They want, they want them to have their hands free. Right. Not only that is... So a safety say, issue, yeah, right? Yeah, no, yeah plus, plus, but not only that. Let's say they need something. You know what? Well, we're not sure about this design. We need to see the layout of the schematic. Well, it could be beamed right to the glass. So that's, I think things are going in that direction. So that's just two of the things. Is it true that you and uh, Mark Saltzman hate each other passionately? No, absolutely not. Actually, I like Mark. Uh, we run into each other fairly quite often. And uh, what I like about Mark is he's actually very quick and very sharp. He's very good at seeing things beyond 
I, I don't know. He's a pretty good guy. I mean, in some areas, we, we do cross paths every once in a while. But uh, no, not at all. I actually watch his stuff. I keep on top of it. And you know what? You can't always catch everything. Sometimes you might see something that other people do. Well, it's been great to meet you, Greg. I appreciate it. And, my pleasure. Uh, look for you, Gadget Greg, on Twitter, at Gadget Greg. Absolutely. Or you can go to my website, gadgetguy.ca, or gadgetgreg.com, and you can find links to a lot of the other stuff that I write about. And just Google me, and unfortunately, you'll find me. Hi, it's Parker from Parker Thompson Racing. You're listening to It's a Show, proudly presented by OpenHighway.com. Hey, tell those guys to slow down. They must be going 8,000 miles an hour. Unfortunately, I can't really burn rubber when I got a front-wheel drive car. <laughs> and I think that was, uh, that was on purpose. So I didn't, get a, I didn't get a front-wheel drive car just out of coincidence. Your dad, Doug, is no dummy, that's for sure. Well, the funny thing was is I actually I had to purchase my own car. That was the deal. If I wanted a car, it was out of my pocket. I mowed lawns for probably six summers and then some uh, in order to save up. And the perfect opportunity arose when actually my grandmother uh, couldn't drive anymore. And she had a nice car, a 2007 Nissan Maxima. So it is a pretty nice car. And she said, okay. And it was taken care of. I mean, she had never really driven it. I mean, she drove it, but she never really drove it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, so, so it was carboned up. beautiful shape. So I got that. So it was pretty great. Um, she did charge me. I mean, she didn't give it a great deal, but she gave me a deal. Get my first wheels, and uh, we've been together ever since. My Nissan Maxima and I. Did you name her? Oh, I named him Maximus. Maximus. Oh, I see Maximus. where you're going. Is there crocheted like seat covers on there from Grandma? Or? <laughs> no. no. Okay, it's cooler. Man, you know what? You're a great guest star to have on. I appreciate you taking the time, and so proud of everything you're doing and this distracted driving thing, life saving. Thank you to all of the sponsors that have supported you from nearly the beginning and uh, the newer sponsors like Kelsey at openhighway.com to help get this powerful message to the students and to all the young drivers and all of us old fart drivers really need to take a page from this and listen and, and put that thing. Like to me, this thing is glued to my hand all the time. And when I go in a vehicle, I always have a briefcase. I don't know why. I never hardly take anything out of there, but I have started putting my cell phone in the briefcase because if I don't, I will sure as shit reach for that thing. I know. And you're not alone. You're just one of the very few that admits it. Yeah. And it's scary. It's shameful to admit, to be honest with you. I've only had one near miss. And I mean, it was a heart stopper and it could have changed lives. And that showed me that there's no way that I can continue on the path that I'm on. And you know what? I appreciate that. And I'm glad that uh, you were given that slight chance or, or slight scare in order to uh, get your bad habits changed around. But unfortunately, a lot of people don't get that, that initial scare. Unfortunately, that scare turns into a, a fatality. So that's uh, kind of the point we prove. I mean, it's, it's amazing. 23 times more likely to end you up in an accident while distracted driving than if you just drove attentive. And that's the point we drive home. So Parker, if there's a parent out there listening right now or an educator or a student that wants to have you at their school to do this presentation and change lives, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, get a hold of me on social media. That's probably the easiest way. So on Twitter, at Parker T Racing. Same goes for Instagram. And then on Facebook, Parker Thompson Racing. I love Instagram's brilliant because they just use the same stuff as Twitter. So, you know. The, I know, right? The heavy lifting's done already and it's perfect. Exactly. You can find It's a Show on Twitter. Twitter and Instagram at It's a Show Pod. You're listening to It's a Show with GA, aka Canada's DJ Darling Greg Shannon. I, I think I just threw up in my mouth a little there. 
Our special guest on It's a Show this week is Parker Thompson from Parker Thompson Racing and the Drive to Stay Alive campaign that he founded, sponsored by a lot of great people, including OpenHighway.com and Craze 1013 right here in Red Deer, Alberta, Canada. They're your new partners, Parker. Yes. Tell us how this deal came together and, and what's it doing for you? Uh, well, Craze 1013 really stepped up in a big way. Um, so they basically gave me my uh, my radio wave advertising and they've done just a fantastic job with that. I, I can't uh, I can't thank them enough. They've really given us uh, radio life. It's amazing how many people have contacted me and said that they've heard my ads on Craze 1013 and, um, you know, I just can't say enough good thing about the people there. They were super fantastic to get behind me. They, no questions asked. They were on board right away. Uh, they loved what I was doing with Drive to Stay Alive and it's a, it's a pretty cool relationship we have. I mean, obviously, they invite me into the studio a bunch, so I get a lot of radio interviews out of it, which I love. And then uh, we do events together. So every uh, every event in Central Alberta, which is going to be about 10 this year, they're going to come on-site, broadcast live, and, and have some fun with the students, so it's going to be great. When you come live in studio next time, I think we should have an office chair hallway race. Oh, I'd love to, and I'll bring my race suit. You bring your race suit, we'll get some uh, video and some pictures, and I'll kick your ass on an office chair. How about that? I love it. And what is your studios like down there? These studios are undescribable. Uh, Let me just paint a picture for you. In the east wing, there's gleaming marble floors incandescent lighting, some very nice taxidermy on the walls, and a hot tub. If you look over yonder in an easterly direction, we have the lap pool, and then just to the left of that are the chaise lounges, obviously, and the poolside bar. And then just a little more, we have a ping pong facility. Uh, My wife loves ping pong, so I asked for that to be put in, and she visits us quite frequently and kicks everybody's butt at ping pong. And then, of course, I've got my high-level desk with really cool, it's kind of dim lighting. I like it to be show businessy when I'm doing my thing. And then and I'm kind of like a pharmacist. I'm up high. I'm cooler than everyone else. And then <laughs> lower down, of course, are my cohorts, Peeker and Sparky, because that's the level that they like to be on more like the common guy. Yep. Yeah. And they have a, a palatial leather couch that they're seated at. And uh, I have two monitors plus my laptop and, of course, my trusty belt that's been with me so for I years. couldn't even come down there and get an interview from you, could I? You could. Anytime you want. You just got to get past security at the front desk. Gordon's pretty old, but he's fairly spry still. <laughs> and who's Sparky? I can't tell you that, Parker. Really? Well, you haven't signed the non-disclosure agreement, so. Uh-oh. It's like telling you who Batman really is. Like, uh, Bruce Banner? 